You're listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast, where it's all about exploring possibilities for making an honest living outside of the traditional nine to five. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 14th episode of the Corporate Quitter Podcast. I'm extremely excited for today's guest. Her name is Allison Farber. She is a career and communication coach, and through her two businesses, which is Affordable Career Consulting and Inspirosity Institute, she's helped hundreds of young professionals create intentional and sometimes unconventional career paths and build personal brands to get what they want from the professional world. And I don't know about you listeners, but I could have greatly benefited from this when I was in my 20s, so I'm extremely excited to bring her on today. Hey, thanks, Gabby. I appreciate the time being here. This is super exciting. Of course. Yeah. Thank you again. (laughs) (laughs) So can you kind of like give the listeners a bit of a background on like, what's your story? How, how you fell into being a career coach and how Inspirosity Institute kind of came, came together? So my background, the origin story, uh, if you will, is that obviously I didn't start as a career coach. I actually started um, going in the corporate world Way back when I graduated from college with a degree in film and television, and I thought that I was going to be in film or television, and then the economy decided to collapse in 2008. So I was actually the very first graduating class into the recession, and there were no jobs anywhere. That's fine. Um, So I think some of the people, some of your listeners might be feeling that right about now. And so it was definitely one of those things where the student loans were looming and everything else, and it was fine, whatever you can. And so the history of falling in the career and what I find with a lot of my, I find similar stories with a lot of my clients is that the reality of being an adult kind of hits you in the face where all of a sudden you have bills to pay right away. And so the dreams kind of get put on hold. I was lucky enough to actually find a career in um, software. And I started from being on the technical side and then moved through from technical to marketing to sales. So a little bit backwards there from most people, but ended up becoming a sales and marketing manager for software companies, both very, very large and very, very small. What I found from that, though, was that while I was really good at my job, I got really good at selling things, which is awesome, but also I wasn't fulfilled by that. What I was being fulfilled by as a manager and as a people leader was actually helping people, my teammates, my colleagues, all of those types of people develop their own careers because a lot of them fell into those paths and then thought that the only way forward was linear. And what I mean by linear is like, you know, you get a job, you get promoted, you get promoted again, eventually you're the CEO, everybody's dream, right? Mm -hmm. Except not really the dream for most people. They just feel like they have to do that because it's the only way that they can progress. So through a series of... uh, (laughs) stepping on rakes, um, a little bit of <laughs> a little bit of a, a misadventure here and there. Uh, I was able to kind of check in with myself and realize what I actually liked to do and put things into place. So I actually just put a break on the professional corporate side and restarted and re-engineered towards being able to build my own business and embark on this completely new career path a couple of years ago, which is coaching. Was it really hard for you to leave that corporate life behind? Like, was there a scary moment between transitioning or was it like, yeah, let's do it? (laughs) Oh no, it's terrifying. (laughs) When you're on this, 
path of knowing exactly where you need to go or thinking you need to know where you go because there's steps laid out for you, right? It's just like when you're younger and it's like, okay, you go to elementary school, then you go to middle school, then you go to high school, then you go to college, then you get a job, then you retire, then you die. Like, (laughs) then you die. Um, but, but then it's like, okay, so I'm going to go, I'm going to get promoted. I'm going to get promoted again. I'm going to get promoted again. And then I'm going to retire. And then all of a sudden be like, no, I'm actually going to take all of my security. I'm going to take all of my health insurance. I'm going to take all of these things and say, that doesn't matter as much as me being happy. That is terrifying because we're not conditioned to allow ourselves to think that way. So yes, it's very scary, but it's also one of the most rewarding things that I've done. Definitely the most rewarding thing I've done in my professional life ever. So yeah. I can imagine. That's a yeah. Lot. <laughs> yeah. No, but it, you know, I think it is good for people to understand that like the facade, the Instagram versus reality thing that's going on right now is really disheartening because people think, okay, I really want to create a life that I love and like things that align with kind of my values. But it seems a really far away and unattainable, or it seems like it's perfect, right? Everything always works out when we know it's not always like that. And it's harder than it is easy. Um, so it's good that, you know, you touched on like, this is a huge risk, but if you put in the time and effort, you will reap the rewards. Mm-hmm. And it's also the idea of, I think most people, they kind of fit their life around work, right? Mm-hmm. And instead, why don't you this idea is basically fitting your work around your life, which is really, really important for people, especially as they have other things that, that they are responsible for families, uh, their health, their financial well-being, their emotional management. I mean, there's so much, maybe charitable causes. There's so much that takes from us that we can't just keep putting that aside for work, especially if it's not something that's truly bringing us joy or something that's engaging us in some manner. Can you get into that a little bit? Like how someone kind of can align their work with their, I don't know if you call it life's purpose or just like being happy or what makes them feel good. Because right, you go into a profession for a lot of reasons of like, oh, it has the stable job or like, oh, the salary is is really good, right? Someone who becomes a lawyer, or a doctor, or an executive at a fund, like a hedge fund. So how does one kind of unravel that life or just add pieces to make their existing life more beneficial? Like, can you get into that a bit? And what I would say is there's two different things. Uh, the first one is letting go of the money obsession. This is the fun kind of like secret of having careers is that you can literally make money from anything. And you can actually probably make a livable wage. It's going to be hard. You're going to have to learn a lot. You have to be open to that. But you can go from zero to $50,000 in six months. You can go to zero to a million dollars in a year or two. There's no limitation on that except for you believing in your own potential. And I know that sounds like something that belongs on an Instagram post or something like that. But <laughs> a nice little graphic. <laughs> a graphic given, but it's really true. And, and you're going at your own pace as well. So it doesn't matter if your dream is to be an author. Guess what? There are authors out there. If your dream is to write children's programming and pitching a show, and yeah, that's also writing, but there you go, <laughs> um, or, or to code a completely brand new social media platform, those are all jobs that need to be done. And it's, it's compelling for you. And if it's your calling, then it's definitely something that somebody else will pay you to do. That's not the problem. So letting go of the emergency, like, oh my gosh, money, 
part or better yet working at a job that you kind of don't like a whole lot until you bankroll that allows yourself that freedom to be able to start to investigate some of the other things. And then the other side of that as well, if that's too risky to completely leave and move to another job, there's definitely the ability to work on your transferable skills so that you can transition from where you are now, get the next aligned job and move in incremental steps until you ultimately get where you want to be. So that might be that you do your same job in a different industry, right? And then you do a different kind of job within that industry until you make that nice little bell curve up to where you want to be. So there's a lot of different ways to do it. It doesn't have to be a straight line of promotional path. I like how you how you frame that because I think, again, with a lot of people, it's like, okay, I've chose this one job. I chose this one industry. I'm like stuck here. But again, to your point, they're all the same skills. They're just, they're utilized in different ways. So yeah, I think that's that's really helpful to be able to kind of like pivot, knowing that those skills will be beneficial in other places too. And it's, and it's how you talk about them too, right? So you can't go in some place and be like, oh yes, I'm a strong communicator. So please give me this job. <laughs> but, but the experiences that you do have are very, very invaluable. And so if you lean into that storytelling and you lean into those experiences that you gained, you're probably really adept at understanding software. I know everybody that was born after like 1984 is just exceptional at adopting new software. That's a skill that's very marketable. Being able to have strong communication skills and being able to articulate those in good ways, understanding social media, knowing how to cook, like all of these skills that we have in our day-to-day life don't just exist outside of the professional life. So anything that you learn anywhere along the line are skills that you're able to kind of put in your career backpack and take with you. That's interesting. I mean, it makes sense. But yeah, when you said cooking, I was like, "Mm, I'm not sure. But I, you know, it does actually make a lot of sense because it comes with like patience and and research, right? You have to research a recipe. Sometimes it's many times over finding out, right? Doing your research of making maybe three different types of cookies to find the cookie that actually works. And like that could be replicated in the workplace, even though it's not cookies, it's like whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah, I really like that you framed it like that. But I want to go take a step back a bit and talk about the money conversation you mentioned. So taking into consideration people who are job hopping or changing industries, but also people who are looking to start a business or kind of in that rough beginning phase, how do you manage the money conversation or with yourself and like your mindset around it? Because you're already taking risk and putting yourself at risk by financially changing your situation. But when you started your business, was there a lot of money work that needed to be done from a mindset perspective? And then like the floodgates open or like, what was that process like for you? Yeah. And I'll, I'll uh, do full transparency here. I am married to somebody who has a traditional job and has health insurance. And so that's a big one because that security wasn't in doubt for myself, or my family. So that's a big one. That's like, okay, we're not going to lose our home. We're not going to lose insurance, anything like that. We're going to be okay. And so having that foundation in my own personal experience, I've been able to have a lot more flexibility because I know at the end of the day, like bills are going to get paid and all of that type of stuff for people who are doing this on their own. What I highly recommend, and actually what I did do for myself even before doing that was that I basically taking the business idea and running with it from a smaller standpoint, basically so that you can 
get an understanding of one, whether or not you want to do this full time, um, two, that you have a minimal viable product, right? That people are actually going to buy in services. For me as a career coach, I did not start and just like set up shop one day and say, yeah, hey, here I am career coach. I started by going onto Fiverr and selling mock interviews. Like that was it. That's all I did as my side hustle outside of my nine to five. I had people paying me, I think it was like $35 at very beginning. It's more now Um, for me to do something that I was already doing at work and having a, a really fun time with. I love interviewing people. It was something that I could actually see myself doing for the long term, being able to help people and getting money. And what I did with that money was that I actually kept it, did not spend it and actually built a nest egg so that I had a couple of months of runway of income. So as I started building things, I wasn't going to be so stressed about money. So I would highly recommend starting out as a side hustler and then reinvesting in yourself, reinvesting in your business before making that leap. Because you have to make sure that the bottom layer stuff, if we're talking about like a hierarchy of needs, like you need shelter, you need money, you need food, you need medicine, blah, blah, blah. So I want to jump back even further now. So like, now that we talked about business, I want to kind of talk about people who are in, they're either in a current job or something like that. And they're trying to figure out kind of like their next step. And they're not sure when we had talked, you had mentioned getting unstuck. You can get really stuck on the one path and not being open-minded or understanding of like where else to go. So for someone who's in a path and they're not sure where else to deviate from that or what else to explore, how does one professionally unstick? It takes quite a bit of introspection. So when people feel like they are stuck, especially in their career, it's usually because they they have a moment where they're like, oh my gosh, I can't do this anymore. But it's really hard for them to pinpoint why that is. If it was easy to pinpoint, they'd be easily corrected, right? And so the first part of that is going to the foundational elements of what you value and what really drives and motivates you. So the first place when you're feeling stuck and you're not sure what to do next. So it's less about like, oh my gosh, I hate my boss, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's easy enough. You just get a new job, get a new boss and hope that they are a better person. Um, But when it's really like, I think I made a mistake somewhere and this leaves me feeling drained and unfulfilled. My life has changed. This job is too demanding, right? That happens a lot to people slowing down and really checking in with yourself to evaluate your values and naming like literally your top five. So top five. Okay. So I really care about my family. I really care about learning. I really care about um, empowerment and entrepreneurship, like really digging into those values so that you can figure out where to focus your effort and your energy in your life. Cause it's not filling out reports, and it's probably not living somebody else's dream. But if you can align your career so that it supports some of those values, that tends to help a lot. The next layer, after you understand what you actually care about, right, what you actually value, is taking into consideration your preferences for an ideal workplace and ranking those preferences top to bottom. So basically, you're creating a wish list, and you're identifying in your current life, what's lining up with what you want and what's not. So it could be that I value being outside and being in nature and I'm stuck working in a high rise. 
for nine to, you know, let's be real, eight to six. (laughs) (laughs) The nine to five is dead. Come on. (laughs) And then I'm in a car or on the train or something commuting both ways. I never even see the sunshine. Well, it's not a big surprise that there's something, there's a disassociation there, right? So there's different ways to resolve that then. Maybe you're able to find a job that's remote work. That's going to be really, really big in the next year or so as people start to figure out life after COVID. If you really value charitable work, but you're a bill collector, that's probably not going to work really well. So really figuring out those preferences and then actually figuring out how you can make your career adapt to those preferences as well. And sometimes it's as simple as having a conversation with your employer, your current one, to unlock a little bit of that. Sometimes it takes some significant change. But under understanding the values, why you do and live the way you want, and then also how you want to operate in the world are really good starting off points to really think about so that you can have a career that matches with your lifestyle instead of the other way around. So with all that being said, how does one, I keep saying back it up further, but like getting back to like the nitty, no, but really, cause some people, I think they're in a place of like such, I don't want to say they're distraught, but like when you're stuck in a job and you have like this rent that you have to pay and it, it can almost feel like soul crushing, right? In a sense, or you just feel like you can't even, you're like immobile, like, because you just don't know what to do. So how can someone even like learn to check in with themselves? Like authentically, not what people tell you should do or like what you quote unquote should do, but like, how do you check in with yourself? And then figure out what you can do, what you like to do. And then that translate into like your job and what you want to do. Like, how do you break that whole thing down even further from just like values? Mm -hmm. Yep. So the first one, actually, I'll I'll send it to you if I haven't already. Um, But I actually work my clients through a values exercise where it's literally just a list of like, 60 different keywords and then you cut them out in little sheets of paper and you go through and by elimination you get your top five because as human beings we value a lot of stuff right everything is important to us and if it's not important to us we're told it's important to us or it should be learning to cut out the noise of what other people tell you are important to you or should be important to you and just like literally zeroing in on like I actually care about learning. Now, I don't care about knowledge. That's different. I care about learning. I want, that's important to me. There you go, right? So it's cutting the noise out, laser focusing on the things that are really, really, really important. And then once that's established, you focus everything in your life to making sure those values are lifted up. If it isn't going into you learning, you being able to support your family, you know, you, you spending time with your family, uh, a romantic relationship, whatever, cut it out. I mean, everything, every like personal weird work, self-care. Like you don't have time. And so like self, I'm guessing this self-care shows up a lot. It means different things for different people. Totally. So pulling down onto these values, right? a good example of that. So we hear about how self-care is so important, right? And that's the latest in like marketing bandwagon. But every time I hear that, it's like, oh, well, how can I practice self-care? And then I get like ads for bubble bath or like, do do a face mask, have a glass of wine. That works for a certain group of people. But I think that we have to expand that a little bit and say, what does self-care really mean for us? So if we get the values actually laid out, self-care for me actually means 
being able to learn something because that's one of my core values. And so sitting down and reading something that's going to teach me something or watching a webinar or something like that, that makes me feel fulfilled. For other people, it's going to go out and participate in sport. That's their self-care. And so we have to like give ourselves the ability to think a little bit broader instead of letting stuff tell us what we want. We have to go out and find what it is that actually empowers us. And if we try it and we don't like it and it's not fulfilling, it's okay to leave it and readjust. We don't have to stick to one linear path. Yeah. I love the way that you described self-care as choosing what you want versus subscribing to like what society and like cosmopolitan told you you, you should make self-care about because if there's one thing I learned over time is like my version of self-care, yes, could be like doing gua sha and like making sure I do my full skincare routine, but it's also like doing the damn thing when I don't feel like it. Like that's my version of self-care. It's like, I feel fulfilled when I finish something. So I know that I need to do it versus making an excuse like, oh, I'm tired. I don't want to go to the gym. Like, no, you're going to go to the gym because you're going to feel 10 times better after. And that's self-care choosing from a place of like my future self thanking me versus like my current self, which is like, meh. Yeah. And my self-care is honestly, I have goals that are set for like a year out and then I've backdated them. Right. So by X date, I'm going to lose 50 pounds. And then it's easier for me to break those goals into sub goals and then sub sub goals. And then like little tiny micro goals, because then I know that I'm always moving forward. And so in that moment, when all I want to do is sit on the couch and binge watch friends, I'm not going to make that choice because I know that that's not actually fulfilling that, that further me, that future me that I want to do. But going back, see, I'm taking it now, but going, you know, aligning your work with your values and checking in with yourself, it does take some of that self-exploration, but also it takes listening to ourselves, not only in the corporate world, but holistically. So a lot of times we think about work and not work, right? We're the same person in both places. And so while our lives evolve right? And they change and we have passing interests and people come in and out of our lives, things like that. A lot of times our work stays stagnant. And so reevaluating and re-looking at work, at least on an annual basis to see if it's actually supporting you holistically, that's what I would recommend as like a cadence of how to check in to make sure it's working. And if it's not, then instead of ignoring it and putting it in the box and hoping someday it's going to work out, actually taking active steps to perform that self-care because your work self needs to have that care so that you can be your best all over the place. That's so true. I love that you framed it as like, you should audit yourself on a recurring basis just to make sure that you're constantly aligned. Because the other thing too, is we constantly change. So what may fulfill you six months ago may not fulfill you now, especially in the wake of COVID and all this stuff that's changing in the world. Like we went from like hustle, 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 like eight to six, like, you know, commuting for two hours and then like, you know, the whole thing, networking, all of it to now everything's remote. It's a completely different world. So we can't expect to have the same values and thoughts we did. Exactly. And, and uh, although I do enjoy that the fact that in the past year, everybody has learned how to bake bread. Yeah. <laughs> banana bread was like literally my go-to thing for like the first month of COVID. I <laughs> ate so much banana bread. And all of the dogs of the world are a lot happier now. Oh, yeah. Than they were. Um, so yeah, yeah, my dog is sitting right in front of me and he looked up as I, as I said <laughs> that. But all of the dogs have gotten extra walkies uh, during the, the year of COVID. So there are silver linings there. <laughs> so speaking of fur babies, I want to get into your like two babies, if I, if you will. So I know that you gave birth to what I call like, again, your two babies, your actual baby, your actual child, and then your second business. Do you want to kind of get into 
a that kind of how that all came together and like the struggles and like behind the curtain behind the scenes things that actually happened again because everyone thinks oh my god she had a baby and she launched a business amazing butterflies and rainbows so easy but i'm sure it was like the exact opposite <laughs> yeah and uh, i i won't talk about how the actual baby came together everybody but yeah so in 28th of January, I had my second child. Of 2021, um, right? This year? Of 2021, yes. So really recently. Um, this is, he just turned, he's four and a half months. So it was a very different experience than when I had my first son, um, which was in 2016. And that's back when I was actually traditional on the traditional career path and everything else. The biggest trade-off, and I'll talk about the pros first. Back in 2016, when I had my first son, I did have maternity leave. And so I was able to take, um, you know, 12 weeks at 60% pay or something. At the end of it, I returned back to work like most women do. Um, So one, it was a financial like rut row because on FMLA, if you're able to be on that and everything else, you're still only making 60% and you get hit with like hospital bills. And a lot of times you have to like put PTO in there and also your expenses. I don't care how much you can plan for a kid, your expenses like go through the roof. Not only am I dealing with separating from my baby that needs me and is so tiny and everything else. And I'm putting him in daycare, you know, he was institutionalized, (laughs) (laughs) but then you deal with going back to work and you've missed so much of work to the point where my job at that time actually had replaced the job that I was in and actually put me in a completely brand new department with no training or or anything uh, when I went back. And so I was doing a completely different job. <laughs> More stress on the plate. Off. Oh my God. Exactly. Yeah. So it was not only am I li- living in a different family, you know, than what I left work in, and I'm still trying to figure out like how to work without sleep and using about 60% of my brain, let's be honest. <laughs> but then also in a brand new job and all that type of stuff. So that was 2016. Um, so it's messy then. And then 2021, having an actual baby while being self-employed, the benefit of that was I was back to work at one week. Yes. But also I was working with literally my baby strapped to my chest. He was in the little papoose and stuff and I was on my computer typing. And, and luckily he was, he's a, a very calm and very happy baby. So I was able to do that. And the thing that scared me the most about running my business is that I'm a client facing person. So I work with people as their career coach. I was afraid that I'd be like looked down on or something, but he became like the mascot for my business. Aww. Like everybody I interacted with was like, where is he? Can I see him? And they're like, wait, to him. And, and it was really, really cool. Cause it, and it's still to the point where if they don't see him every now and then they're always asking about him and things along those lines. And it actually drew the community closer. And so as a working mom, I think that there's always that feeling that you're not going to be taken seriously if you have that in there. And so it's really nice and refreshing to just be like, people actually legitimately enjoy the fact that I'm hustling this hard and that it's visible to them. Mm -hmm. So they see my life. They know it's not perfect. They also know that there is balance there. And I think that one, they appreciate it. And two, I think that they want to have that balance for themselves. So that's the positive side. Uh, (laughs) The negative side is that it's a lot of work. You know, launching a business, there's a lot of the unseen. 
not only do you have the uh, the thing that you sell, the thing that you do, right? But also you're learning a whole bunch of how to run a business besides that. This was my second time around. So I had learned from the first time, but still that's a lot of getting the email list out, getting the website up, getting the PR ready, um, getting the backend systems done, getting my taxes filed, getting the LLC, all of that type of stuff. It was a lot, but also I knew that I had to have it done by like delivery time because I knew I was going to go on low power mode so that I was strictly doing my job for three months. And I think that that actually made me hustle more stick to the plan more than what I normally would if I hadn't had that pressing date come up. So it's definitely doable. But whenever you are adopting babies and be it kids or fur babies or something like that, you have to really kind of envision how your life is going to look on the other side. And then also do more work up front because whatever you think is going to happen on the other side is going to take twice as much time as what you think it's going to take. It's going to take twice as much time, twice as much responsibility. It's just one of those things you have to prepare real hard. Yeah. I can only imagine how, you know, stressful it could be. Like I don't even have kids and I am like swimming in stuff to do. And like, again, what you said, like you, you anticipate you're going to do X, Y, and Z. And then it ends up being like triple the amount of what you have to do. And it's like, it's a wonderful mess, but it's still like a mess. And again, you have to focus on what's really important, right? So just like the values, I'm like, hey, choose five. Like at home, same thing. And you will, the things will get done, but the things that are most important are the things that need to get done, right? The dishes can wait. The screaming baby can't. Uh, <laughs> if you tell a client that it, it, it's going to be, you know, sorry that I'm two minutes late, baby's crying, they will forgive you. And it's allowing yourself that space and that flexibility and it, like honestly calming down a little bit to realize that everything has its time, everything has its season, and you don't have to do everything right now to get where you want to go. I think that that's one of the things that when you're younger in your career, you feel so motivated, like you have to break through and that there's a certain level you're going to reach. And that's the level that you're going to reach when you can relax. But realistically, hustle culture is exhausting. Yeah, it is. And it never ends. It's self-fulfilling. And so once you reach that level, you just want to reach the next Mm -hmm. and the next and the next until you burn out apart. Slowing down, taking things in stride, taking things in that season of life is the best way to make sure that you are hustling, but also you're doing it in a sustainable and emotionally okay place. Yeah, I totally agree. I recently was talking to someone about the difference between hustle culture and habit culture. And luckily it seems like with the increase of like people maximizing on self-care that kind of comes with like establishing healthy habits that will bring a better ROI in the long run versus like the hustle, which is like, right, hustle, 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 burnout, rest for even longer than you would have if you just chose to rest on a normal basis. And then you hustle, hustle. It's like a recurring dumpster fire, if you will. Yeah. And you can make the biggest gains during like some of the easiest things. If you want to learn something, instead of feeling like you have to sit down and like crack open a book or something like that, like throw on a podcast and do some laundry. It's okay. There's different ways to do stuff. There's different ways to make those gains. It doesn't have to take your entire day. Even at your regular job, if you give yourself a smaller period of time to do an exorbitant amount of work, that's okay. That's time optimization. Just figure out when you're going to do it, dedicate the time, 
get a start time and an end time, and then just go as hard as you can and let it be enough. And honestly, bosses appreciate that. (laughs) Oh, totally. I think it's just, it's the norm to almost feel guilty when you're not working or not doing something. Like even like I was joking with someone the other day, it's like, we try to rest, especially us like online business owners where we're just starting. Like we try to rest, but we try to rest efficiently. So like, I can only imagine as like a mom, right? You, you have two businesses and you also have two children, one who's like, you know, brand spanking new, you know, establishing new, new routines and like all that stuff, sleep training, I'm sure all of it. How do you manage that feeling of like guilt of like not doing enough or like, I don't know how else to frame it, but yeah. Can you, can you speak on that a little bit? (laughs) Yeah. There's definitely this thing called mom guilt. And (laughs) honestly, I have worked really, really hard. And it's funny because the voice of mom guilt, like nine times out of 10 is the voice of your mom. Um, (laughs) And, you know, I've honestly just learned to shut it up. And a a friend of mine told me this a long time ago. And she was like, as long as the kids are alive and the house isn't on fire, you're doing okay. And I actually kind of expanded that out to my businesses and everything else. Like I'm still doing the job and some days that's okay. It doesn't matter if you're a traditional career or if you're thinking about quitting and starting a new business or something like that. You want to do all of the things at once and you want to do them all perfectly because that's what's expected. You're not going to do them perfectly. It's much, much, much more important that you get them done to an okay-ish level so that you can move on to other things. Right. If you sit there and you keep thinking that you have to like, it doesn't matter if you're thinking about the fact that you're trying to do some sort of like super expert web copy or something so that you're going to get all of the leads onto your website. Or if you're talking about being extra by making a a personalized message on your kid's napkin for their lunchbox, (laughs) like don't be extra if you don't have to. The, The only thing that's, that's doing is soothing your ego. So if you don't actually give a crap about it, don't do it it'll be fine. (laughs) Take it to the level it needs to be and be done. Yeah. I couldn't agree more, but it's definitely a muscle that needs to be worked. It's not something that like happens overnight. It's still something I struggle with, but I'm getting better. I'm sure you are too. Yeah. It's definitely a muscle that you have to flex. And the thing that you really want to look at is like, look at it objectively. You know, I'm sure you've heard of like, Oh, would you say this to a friend or something along those lines? But for the moms out there and even like the the dog moms out there and things like that, look at the people that are in your lifestyle that are around you and understand that all of the people at the dog park have forgotten to feed their dog. Oh, I mean, it's true, but (laughs) (laughs) like all of the people at the grocery store have had a kid throw a tantrum in the middle of the aisle. Like it's okay. And from a business side of things, all of the people that have the very large, big brands started where you are right now. And all of the CEOs at work, uh, even, even your boss, your CEO, things like that started where you are. And every single one of them learned along the path and they had their own path to get there, but it doesn't have to be yours. You just have to make sure that you're doing and challenging yourself in new and exciting ways. That's it. I couldn't agree more. But sometimes, again, when you have those low moments or the moments of like overwhelm, it's kind of like, oh, You're like, oh I no, suck. what the hell have I got myself into? <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah, you'll figure it out. <laughs> well, stemming off of that, um, one of the questions that I like to ask my guests before wrapping up the podcast is if you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? And I know you touched on like a ton of like gold nuggets kind of within that realm, but is there one like, 
pinpoint like thing at the forefront that's that's jumping out at you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, as well, as much as I'm happy that I've had the experience within my career to get me to this point where I'm able to work with other people and coach them on those paths and help them figure out what works for them. Um, so it supports the rest of their life. I would challenge my younger self to not think that there's a certain like level I have to get to before making the jump. I think a lot of people think, you know, going back to what I said before, that there's a certain like, okay, I have to get there. I'm going to hustle. And then that's the place where I'm going to actually make this leap or something like that. If you feel like you need to make the leap, then just prepare for it a little bit, but make it before you think you're ready. Because if you think you're ready, then that's probably taking some of the wind out of your sails and stuff like that. And I wish that I had actually gone on to building a business and satisfying some of that curiosity and some of that you know, self-empowerment and living my own dream as opposed to somebody else's a long time ago, because it's way more happier on this side than on the other side. So you're saying it outweighs all the cons of the juggling babies and like trying to figure out finances and budgeting and... Right. Even though I'm budgeting and judging, you know, juggling babies and running businesses and all of this other stuff, I'm doing it on my own terms. I'm actually able to, even though there's more things now, the balance is there in a way that it never was before. And because I wasn't living before on my own timeline, my work was not supportive of my life. My life was trying to be supportive of my work. And so making that fundamental shift has completely changed how everything has operated. That's what I would empower everybody listening to the, this podcast to think about, you know, going back into how do we check in with ourselves and things like that. It's really, am I working to support my lifestyle or is my lifestyle fundamentally working around my work? And if it's the latter, then figure out how to get it to the former. Yeah. I think that was the deciding factor for me to jump. And I know for a lot of other people, them just hearing you kind of like confirm that and also giving them permission to do it. Right. Cause a lot of times we need permission or we feel like we need permission to do those things. So framing it in, in that way, I think will be really helpful for a lot of people. Yeah. Thank you again for being on. This was great. <laughs> great. I appreciate it, Gabby. Have a good one. You too. Thanks. <laughs> 